my retirement has been greatly exaggerated. the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love through NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of our podcast this week we are going to be recapping the verizon 200 at indianapolis motor speedway but not just any indianapolis the indianapolis motor speedway road course which has never been ran i believe in the cup series before it was a first time and it was a bit of a challenge for a few of the drivers it was a really fun race though and had a lot of unexpected twists and turns as well as a surprise top 10 finish which we'll talk about later but uh Let's get into it. It was a crazy race, and there were a lot of things that happened in it. Well, first and foremost, I want to say I think this is the most exciting Indianapolis race that I've ever watched. I really enjoyed it. I don't know what everybody else thinks, and you know, I heard some drivers made comments about this track, but I really enjoyed this race course. I don't know if it's just because lately we've seen more of NASCAR on the road courses, but it is so much fun to see them drive and go through these turns. And I mean, clearly there were some things which we'll get to later. But um, I don't know. It's just the, 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 the difference from an oval to a road course is to me is significant. And I think it's a lot of fun to see these cars on the road courses. Yeah, I think I have to agree. Honestly, out of all of the road courses that have taken place this season, this is probably my favorite one because it was so competitive and there wasn't a lot of distancing really between the race. And really, if there was distancing, it wasn't a lot. It was more of like one or one and a half second distancing. And this time we did see Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott doing really well and, you know, running up there in the top five, top 10. But other drivers were competing like Joey Logano was doing really good. And there were just, it was a lot more competitive and a lot more enjoyable to watch rather than seeing Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott take off and get 10 whole seconds on the entire field. I also think it was kind of interesting the way that they broke up, and they talked about this early on, the way they broke up the stages. You had the first stage was only 15 laps, stage two was 35, and then stage three was basically 60 laps. And I think the fuel window was around 30 to 35. So uh, it definitely played into the strategy on whether or not drivers wanted to come in before and after uh, the stages and the co- and you know, and, and we knew that fuel would possibly play a factor. Johan. Yeah, it was it was a big factor. It was very interesting, but yeah, that wasn't the key of the finish. Well, why don't you guys give a quick overview about what happened, and then we'll dive into the, the race itself. Well, before they started the race, they had mentioned that they took out a like a bump or something that they had in the on the track. I think it was like in turn like six. 
Is that what it was? Turn six. So they had they had it on the track for the niche. Uh, sorry. They had it on the track for the um, Xfinity race. And apparently cars were having a lot of trouble because they kept hitting it. So for the cup race, they actually removed it. It was like this orange bumper in the middle of or on the side of one of the turns. So Tyler Reddick ended up winning the first two stages. And when you take a look at this race, I would have to say stage one and stage two were probably the calmest part of the race. Stage three, oh my word, that is literally going to be the entirety of this episode because of how much there is to talk about. Especially as it got later and later in the race. And you thought again, with 60 laps in that final stage, this would have been more of a fuel mileage type race. You could have had some interesting fuel strategies. And that is not how this race played out. No, definitely not. In fact, there were several times in that last um in that last stage where there were we saw different potential winners. Like we're like, "Oh, definitely this person has the, you know, has the race won." And then something happened and they were like, "Oh, okay, no, now this rate this person definitely has the race won." And it just kept going like till the end of the race, we did not have any idea who the winner of this road course was going to be. So first it was like it was like 16 or maybe more or less than that. Kyle Larson was just going to be like, oh, he's going to get another win. We thought, oh, this is Larson's race. And then nope, debris. There is debris on like turn six, I think, was it? And that is what we're going to talk about. So they go back green and a couple of laps later, Truex just and like the turn just explodes with debris. Truex spins. And then a lap later... Unlike William Byron. Before you get to that, though, to understand why that bumper on turn six or the buff on turn six was so weak and why it blew up when Truex hit it that lap, it was because before, not only did the Xfinity race happen on the same track, but so did IndyCar. Now, that bumper or buff had a problem throughout all of those races and was constantly breaking and NASCAR had to go in and modify the track and basically try and hold it down. Well, and also earlier in like, I think like stage two uh, or one or two, one of the, they had to basically kind of red flag it because they had to come in and pull someone's like bottom part of their car that got jammed underneath it. Like they literally had to like stick these two things underneath it, lift it up. And then another guy pulled it out and they just kept getting or as cars went over it, there were just parts of cars that kept getting kind of jammed underneath there. It was a big piece of metal, too. And yeah, then- we thought it was small. And when they came to pull it out, it was literally it's basically the shielding that goes under the car and it, it, it creates it, it's it's put there for aerodynamics, um, protecting the engine. Uh, it helps the car run better. And it's it's basically a shield under where the engine would go. And it ripped off someone's car when they went over it. It literally got jammed in there and they had to pull the whole thing out. And that just was a precursor to what was about to happen at the end of the race, which was what Johan was getting into. So what is the purpose of creating those buffers on road courses? I believe the reason is to kind of make it easier for them to turn rather than having to go through these flat turns. If they hit the buffer, it'll basically, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it kind of like helps angle their cars a bit rather than having to make these extremely tight flat turns. 
which is why is that, even is that tracks, why they kind of like you see them when they make that turn they almost kind of propel a little bit as they're yeah. making that turn it's kind of like a slingshot because if you notice that tracks that are extremely flat such as martinsville or new hampshire they have a slight amount of baking but because they're so flat the drivers have to slow down going into those turns and that would have to happen if they didn't have those buffers at these road courses in tight turns like that, such as as it's it's something like Watkins Glen. Have you ever seen them go down the backstretch and then they come into the dog leg and they kind of just fly through it, even though those turns there are flat? It's because they're able to kind of bounce off those buffers. All right. Well, let's continue talking about this buffer on uh, turn six that ended up being such a problem towards the end of the race. So a lap after Martin Truex Jr. spun, they're coming and then... William Byron suddenly just starts to spin. So is Kyle Busch. Then Logano's in like the tire barrier. Then Suarez, Bell, Priest are in it. But it wasn't just a spin. I mean, literally, like you were saying earlier, the car exploded with debris. And when Logano's car went over it, and they only showed it a couple of times in, in with the replay. They kept showing a different replay of his car just spinning. But there was one, it looked like it was a, a, a shot from a camera inside someone else's car looking back. And you literally saw when Logano hit that part of the, the buffer, the, the bumper, uh, his car literally buckled inward, like down. And he had no control. It's like his brakes were gone and he just ran straight into the barrier. It was basically because I think it was pretty much because the buffer had basically broken from Martin Truex Jr.'s incident a lot before. And then William Byron hitting it and Kyle Busch as well. And then as soon as Joey hit it, there was like a piece that just happened to have his car fold in, locked up his brakes, and he had no control over his car. He couldn't even steer it. And before you knew it. He was already out of the race. His car was gone and he was into the tire barrier. Yeah, it was pulled up. And so all of these cars started just basically getting into it and almost like ripping. And their it looked cars. like none of them could control their cars. And in once fact, they no, I was just going to say, Joey said he did not. He, he lost everything. He lost his brakes, gas, everything. And that's why you see him basically hit that. And then he just kind of shoots out to the left and he hit the uh, tire, the barrier that's full of tires really hard. Uh, we were actually worried for a split moment because we didn't see his net go down. Uh, but thankfully, he was okay and all the other drivers were okay. But the frustrating thing, the thing that I was frustrated with the most was the fact that when um, when Martin Truex hit it and there was debris that went flying everywhere, they didn't call NASCAR didn't call a caution. And I don't understand why, because they will throw a caution if there's a napkin on the track because the napkin can get caught onto the the front of a of a car and then that overheats the car and all this stuff. But yet, you know, all of this metal came shooting out from under these car from the cars and they didn't throw a caution until, you know, the next lap and then mayhem happened. So I have, a, you know, a couple questions that I'm going to ask us or a few different questions I'm asking. One of them is, who do you feel worse for uh, with the way the race ended. And I'm going to tell you, I feel bad for whoever that NASCAR official was that was supposed to be watching that area of the track. And again, I don't know why, but obviously there was a miss because like we all said, and we saw it at home, when Martin Truex Jr. went over that lap, that bumper, the rep buffer, the lap before, I literally, we saw like 
parts of his car broke. We his he spun because something went wrong. I also think it wasn't just his car. I think there was probably pieces of metal from other cars that had gone, but when he hit it, it kind of lifted up and then more pieces came flying yeah. out. And so I feel terrible for whoever that NASCAR official was come Monday when he had to go into the office and they were reviewing and saying who was responsible for watching this and 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 flagging the rest of the officials. To, because that's the reason why you have cautions. But isn't there a control? I mean, we can't just I don't think you can just like blame one official because isn't there a control center where people yes. are seeing this but, on TV and you're you able don't, you say, you whoa, just, there's but like NASCAR a ton doesn't of just rely on the TV. No, I get they that. Have but people stationed around the track, especially a track like this. That's over. I And I and I, I forget the length of it. But wasn't it like three miles? Or two and a half. It's I know it's over two and a half miles. This road course. You have people stationed all around, and their their job is to watch that section, to alert the NASCAR officials up at the top who are controlling everything. Hey, there's a problem. You send cars down here, they're gonna break, and you don't want to see that happen. So I feel terrible for that guy, whoever that person was. Uh, guy or girl could have been a lady. I don't know, but the, whoever that official was, there was responsible for that section of the track. I feel terrible because had they flagged it, maybe they would have, and had they seen it. And again, things are moving so quick and so fast. Um, you would have, you, you lost a lot of cars that were up in the top five. It was just crazy. So uh, with that said, who else do you guys feel bad for, for what happened? Sebastian, who do you feel worse for this week after what happened in that race? I feel bad for um, Chase Briscoe. Yeah. And this has to do with later in the race because Chase Briscoe, he was up there a lot. Like, we, th- they were really hyping him up to potentially win. They were talking about how he was a hometown boy. His wife just gave birth or went into labor. Chase Briscoe's wife hasn't had the baby. She's still pregnant. Okay. And it was like, yo, this dude is going to win. And he was up there, and after all the wrecks, which there were a couple more wrecks after that initial one with, like, Logano and Truex and Byron, because there was also something where, like, Coyla Joy ended up um, jumping into the air because of one of the bumps they left. And then Chase Briscoe, so he's up there, and it's, like, the last two to three laps, and he's battling Denny Hamlin. And when they go into that first turn, it's always, like, super tight, cars getting sh- um, shoved to the side. And Chase Briscoe ended up getting shoved into the grass and had to go through it in order to make sure he could still race. But NASCAR decided to penalize him even though he didn't do that on purpose. It was by accident. And I feel really bad that he wasn't able to win because I think he definitely did have a good shot. But at least he did um, sort of take, he did do something where he took out Denny Hamlin. And we got we're going to come back to that in a second. So who who did you feel worse for, Gio, after everything happened? Who was the driver you felt the worst for? I honestly felt really bad for everyone who got taken out because of NASCAR's bad officiating and the fact that they see an entire turn blowing up and there's sheet metal flying everywhere and debris on the track and then a driver spinning out and wrecking out of the race. And they didn't call a caution. I feel bad for everyone who was involved in that wreck because of that specific turn. And, like, that's just bad judgment on NASCAR's part. 
but was it really this? So I'm not I'm not excusing because NASCAR is is real is in charge of it. Right. And they're the officials. I you know, I mentioned earlier, I felt bad for whoever that official was because they probably should have called it. I don't I don't think NASCAR's judgment is on is, you know, it, it should be questioned. I, I just or maybe it was, I you know, I don't know. I just think that it was a miss. I don't think anyone had the right information knowing that that part of the track was causing problems. I don't and understand how that up. was a miss. There were pieces of the car. Because clearly they didn't throw caution. debris. And they've thrown caution for the most simplest things on the track. Okay. I know you said napkins earlier, but yeah, I get your point. I, I Look, I don't disagree. I do think it was a miss. I don't know if it was a bad judgment call on NASCAR's part, but I do believe it was a bit of a miss. And so, you know, Johan, who did you feel bad for? Who did you feel worse for for what happened on Sunday? Well, it's a sponsor. I feel bad for FedEx. They're probably like on work, you know, and then on their TVs is like the race and like, come on, Denny, get our first one of the season. And then they're like, oh, my goodness, he actually may do it. And then when they see Chase Briscoe take him out, they're like, no. So you don't even feel bad for Denny Hamlin. You feel bad for his sponsor. Karen, what about you? Who'd you feel worse for? Um, I feel the same as Giovanni. I feel bad for everybody who was taken out for that. Um, mistake of not throwing out a caution and fixing the mess that was on that turn. There was no need for all that carnage. No need. And so many good cars that could have potentially been winners were taken out. Well, you know, another guy, I will say, I already said the NASCAR official, but if I had to pick a driver, I think I would have said Larson, Kyle Larson. That dude was well on his way to another victory. And he, nobody was coming close. I, I will say Elliot was on his way, but Elliot was, he was about four or five seconds back at one point. And unless they, again, reshuffled, I didn't think he had enough to, to, to reel Larson back in on his way to victory. And then this carnage happens. And then, you know, he ends up falling and not obviously winning. Yeah, but Larson was kind of lucky because wasn't he right in front of William Byron when that thing happened? Yeah, he went over the same spot right before Byron did. So, I, you know, yes, you got to give him a little credit. Well, before we go into some of the other questions, Johan, why don't you tell our audience how the field finished? Who are the top five? And then we'll get into the rest of what we thought about the race. And so I'm going to talk about the winner and then I'm going to talk about the top five. So who you, who won? You're probably thinking about like someone like, Oh, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Kurt Busch, Matt Dimonadetto, those guys are up there. Well, it ain't any of those because it was A.J. Allmendinger getting the win. The dinger, as you like to call him. Yeah, that was a big shock. Again, a lot of crazy things happened to put him up there, but he he had to be up there, and he is well-respected as a road course winner. Well, who were the rest of the top five? So, in second was Ryan Blaney, third, Kyle Larson, fourth, Chase Elliott, fifth, Maddie D. You know, I thought A.J. Allmendinger retired because I hadn't heard of heard about him in a while. So, it was kind of funny to see that he was up there and he won. It was like his... He was like, his, Sebastian, I'm not retired. And he took home that ring. By the way, did you see that? I think I showed some of you. He got a like a ring for winning the race, uh, and it said uh, two hundred. It looks it. pretty cool. too. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then, of course, he got his trophy and he did the kiss the bricks. 
And by doing that, A.J. Allmendinger was like, my retirement has been greatly exaggerated. So, okay, so who had the craziest finish? For all the drivers, got to pick a driver. Who had the craziest finish? Gio, I'm going to start with you. I don't know. I could say Hamlin or Briscoe, but I think I'm going to go with AJ because he had kind of been lurking around a bit. You know, he had been playing a bit. He was doing pretty good. And then near the end, he was just in the right spot at the right time and ended up coming home with a win, which was pretty cool. He seemed genuinely excited to win. So did his team. And them not being full time is a lot bigger for them. So congrats to AJ. It was a huge win. Sebastian, who had the craziest finish for you? I would say the craziest finish was Justin Haley. He ended up getting eighth because of all like the shuffling and wrecks that happened. So nice job, Justin Haley. Karen? I think the craziest finish is a person who should not have even finished in the top 10. And that is Ryan Newman. <laughs> I, I completely up, forgot. I setting them up. That's <laughs> because somebody in our team here decided to choose uh, Ryan Newman and Ryan Newman spent the whole day in the thirties. So let's, let's just set the, let's just set the stage real quick. Again, as you, as our listeners know, every week we do our race picks, we go around and last week, Johan had selected Ryan Newman to finish well and possibly win this race. And about midway through and, and, and I feel like it was past the halfway point. We started roasting Johan because Ryan Newman was like second to last. He was like and almost yeah, was at one 39th. point he was in 39th. And we're like, okay, Johan, you could have two laps down once. Two laps down, 39th place. And we we're like giving you a hard time saying you could have picked 35 other drivers, 38 other drivers that was doing better than Ryan Newman. What are you thinking? And with all of the craziness, and at one point, we're also like, oh, what's that car coming down? Oh, that's Ryan Newman, because it it felt like for at least half the race, he was driving with a fender sticking out, almost like he was gonna, it was like a demolition derby. He would also kind of sometimes like spin on some of the tracks and you would say, oh, who's that car? Is that Joey Logano? And she would be like, no, that's Ryan Newman. And again, Johan, why did you pick Ryan Newman? What was, When we were giving you a hard time, why did you say you had picked Ryan Newman? Because he's a Brickyard champion. Because he had won Brickyard. And a Brickyard champion can do anything in the Brickyard. Well, we were giving Johan a hard time, and we were trying to remind him, but Johan, that was the Oval. That was not this road course. Uh, And you know what? You had the faith, and here I'm making fun because my person that I had selected, who was very, at one point, up in the top five, was around the top ten, I thought, for sure, I'm going to get points. Finished well outside the top 25. Nope. And your guy at the end of the race finished in 10th place. And that means you got a point. That was honestly one of the more exciting parts of the finish because we're watching the the drivers come in and all of the their where they're placing. And there it goes, number nine, and then number 10, Ryan Newman. So he kept his car out there despite everything, and got himself a top 10, which was really amazing. And it was amazing that you picked them and you stuck with your pick. Okay, so I would assume that you would say the same thing like, Mom, did he have the craziest finish or did you think someone else might have had a crazier finish? Yeah, he had the craziest finish. Two laps down, 39th, 
And then these cautions saved my life. I love you cautions for saving my life. Oh, my goodness. Well, I will say, uh, did we go around? Everybody else gave theirs. I'm going to say for me, I'm going to say Danny Hamlin had the craziest finish because he had worked his way up to the front. It was no accident that he was in the top three. And after everything had kind of shuck out, uh, you thought for sure he was going to Well, it wasn't this. an accident, but he was um, pretty much gambling on fuel. Because he was one of the only two cars that had like pitted further back. So he was, you know, gambling with the fuel and it just worked out in his favor that they had all of these cautions and even red flags that helped um, save his fuel. And so you're thinking, okay, Danny's going to actually win this race. And he and then but you had Briscoe, someone who has never won. He's a rookie. He wants to get in the playoffs. And right now his only shot is to win. Like Gio had said, he was a hometown guy. He's like to win his first win at home. Like how big would that be? That's like if Johan, if he starts his NASCAR career and he wins in Daytona, how huge would that be to do it in front of your home crowd? And so he was very aggressive and Danny wanted, you know, Danny wasn't going to play and he was going to kind of push him up the track. And Briscoe, you know, again, we'll debate this. He says he didn't do it on purpose. He just wanted to, he wasn't trying to race dirty. He was just trying to win. And, but if you watch the replay, it's very clear. Hamlin rode him up the track and basically pushed him into the grass. And Briscoe uh, got penalized. penalized. And when he came back in, he, he says he didn't realize he was penalized at the time. It was basically Hamlin in front of him and keeping him from victory lane. He decided I'm gonna t- I'm gonna put the bumper to him, and he spun Hamlin out, and so Hamlin goes from possibly winning and solidifying his position in the playoffs with his first win of the year, which is crazy. He's this late; he hasn't won yet, and falls all the way out, and ends up getting uh, not even getting a top ten. So to me, that was one of the craziest finishes outside of Ryan Newman and A.J. Allmendinger actually winning the race. But let's not feel too bad for Denny Hamlin. He is locked in based on points into the chase. Why? Why was that, Johan? Finishes. No, but what what happened that locked him in? Do you guys know? Points. I was going to say he got spun out, so NASCAR felt bad and gave him the playoff spot. No, because remember, what what potentially could keep him out could have kept him out is all of these other drivers that weren't in the top 16 win and then he would basically your your 16 playoff drivers would have all had wins but the thing is when I when Almondinger had won I asked the question last night I'm like oh wait does that mean Almondinger's in the playoffs nope why he's a he's he's not a full-time driver so and so basically because he won and he wasn't going to go to the playoffs and there's only two lot two races left to the playoffs. Hamlin got himself locked in. So yes, he's locked in, uh, and maybe he'll he'll finally win that first championship. But more to come on that. Okay, so overall, we'll go around real quick. Last question for this uh, for this race: What'd you guys think overall of the first road course at Indy, Johan? I'm going to start with you. So out of five checkered flags, I'm going to give it. Five out of five checkered flag. Okay, I was going too crazy. I'm going to give it a four out of five. 
four out of five. Wow. Uh, why, why so strong? Because it was a fun race at the end, of course. Um, and then the star takeaway was because the checkered flag I take away was because of like them, like that a lot of drivers could have won. The Penske sweep could have been made with Joey Logano, but he was taken out. So that's why I took away a star and, or a checkered flag. And I actually got a point with Ryan Newman. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to let us forget that one. Sebastian, what did you think? I'll give it a four out of five checkered flags, but for different reasons. I found this race really engaging and entertaining throughout. Even when there wasn't a lot of wrecks, I still enjoyed watching it compared to other races this season. But I would have to say that once those um, wrecks started happening, they had to throw out the red flag a lot. And it started to get slow and boring because you had to just wait for them to fix the problems. And, but aside from that, this race was um, really good, in my opinion. Karen? I think... So I really liked the, the, the road course. I really liked it. I think I want to give it a three and a half because I, I, I think I would give it the race overall a three, especially because I was very disappointed with the the accident that the, you know, the carnage that happened because it took out so many cars because this was such a good race and there was so much momentum. Like Sebastian was saying, there was so much momentum. And then because of this, there were so many red flags that it kind of stopped it, you know, and it just kind of, you know, killed the, it just kind of, you know, just took away that, that momentum that was going on. And then I'm going to give it an extra half of, um, of a flag because of, uh, um, Briscoe, I thought what Chase Briscoe did to Denny Hamlin uh, was really good. I applaud that. Uh, whether he did it on purpose or not, I was fine with what he did because I honestly thought that he was what happened to him was unfair. Denny Hamlin clearly pushed him into the grass, and then <laughs> where where else was Chase supposed to go? Like they, he got penalized for crossing the 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 grass, but like really, where else was he supposed to go? He had no other alternative. So, I mean, honestly, I, I don't see anything wrong with what he did to Denny well, Hamlin. Well, you and Tony Stewart both agree because hey, he said he was proud of him. And I have to say, I think this is the first time <laughs> in my time of being a NASCAR fan that I actually agree and liked what Tony Stewart did. Well, you know what? I know you're not always been the biggest fan of smoke. Uh, I've, I've always liked Tony Stewart. Uh, and so I was happy, one, to see him at the track and see him. Uh, really encourages drivers. I, I did enjoy see that part, that supportive side of yeah. Tony Stewart for his drivers. So yeah, so kudos to you, Tony Stewart. So I will say I'm going to give it three out of five. Uh, and and honestly, I think it was a, it was very. I think like what Sebastian said, even throughout the race, even without the cautions, it was very interesting the way that they were. You know, things were going along. Um, I I cannot give it more than that because of the the delays. Once the racing was happening, that was exciting with the restarts and all of that. But because of the long delays and and the and the fact that you had the track tearing up cars that were capable of winning, that part to me, um, you know, eliminates it from being truly a, a great race and track. I think it's a lot of potential. I can't wait to see them go back. And honestly. I would prefer to see this road course than the Brickyard. Me too. Me uh, you too. You know, I think the Brickyard is the Brickyard. It is a it is a historic track, but what makes it sometimes not as exciting is because it's such a flat track. 
Uh, it's kind of like a Pocono in that way. And I think that, you know, they did some things with Pocono to shorten the, and, and do the back-to-back races. It makes it a little bit more exciting. I think doing the road course is the smart thing to do for NASCAR at Indianapolis. So again, excited to see it. But for this year, I'll give it three out of five. And Gio, why don't you wrap this up for us? What did you think of this this road course at Indy? Yeah, I'm going to give it another 3.5. I think it was a really good race, and the track is unique and different. And it was a lot of fun and enjoyable to watch. It was different, and that's why I really liked it. I think that they should run the course again, but next time, try and fix the curbs. That way, no other incidents happen. But besides that, it was a really good race. So there are two race courses that need redos next year for sure. Coda, because they got run out, and I thought that was an awesome track. And then two... Uh, obviously this one, Indianapolis, it was a lot of fun. I hope that they bring it back because like you said, Tony, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was the funnest indie race that I have seen. And for those of you who have never been to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it is one of the finest racing motorsport facilities in the world. And then to have this road course there, um, you know, I, I, I actually like to go to that race. I think it would be very cool to go. We up were to actually just talking. To to, we were talking about how cool it would be to do a driving experience on that road course. On that road course, uh, that that would be pretty cool. I mean, with the historic nature of it. So yeah, very very cool race. Um, hopefully next year they'll figure out the bumps and, and the buffers and all of that. So, all right, that's gonna wrap it up for the recap, Sebastian. Where's NASCAR going next week? Next week is NASCAR's penultimate regular season race, the Firekeepers Casino 400 at the Michigan International Speedway. So yeah, that that will be the second to last race before uh, we get into the playoffs. And why is it significant? It's the traditional oval before Daytona. And we know Daytona is going to be a wild card race, so... All right, let's get into our race picks. It's the Let's Go Racing Family Picks of the Week. All right, we're going up to the Motor City, or near it, Michigan International Speedway. Karen, you are leading us. Who are you picking to win this weekend up in Michigan? So this weekend, I am going to go with the driver who has won there the last two years. I think he is going to sweep it for a three-peat. He needs to get in the chase. So I'm going with the number four of Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. Oh, you stole that right from under me because I was actually leaning (laughs) towards Kevin Harvick. Yes, Fords usually uh, do well. But you know what? I'm going to go with... Chase Elliott. I think Chase is going to take his Chevrolet to Victory Lane in Michigan. Giovanni, you're up next. Who do you have winning at Michigan? So, Dad, you picked? Chase Elliott. Mom, you picked? Kevin Harvick. That leaves me a pretty good pick. I think he's pretty good at Michigan. I'm going to go with Joey Logano. I would love to pick him for Daytona, as I think he's a really good restricted plate driver, but I'm going to have to go with him here. Joey Logano from the president of the Joey Logano fan club wearing his Joey Logano hoodie. All right, Sebastian, who do you got winning in Michigan? After not getting any points at the road course, I'm going to go with someone who will hopefully get me some points again. Let's go with Kyle Larson, who 
actually won three Michigan races in a row. Wow. I cannot believe he lasted to fourth pick. All right, Johan, it's up to you to take us home. Who do you have winning this weekend? All right, I hope this is a good pick, but I'm thinking of someone. Someone by the name of Denny Hamlin. I think he may get his first win and and get that win before Daytona. I think Denny Hamlin will win this race. Those are our picks for Michigan. All right. So this week was supposed to be a shorter episode, but we got into it talking about the recap for the Indy Road Course. Uh, And then next week, we'll be previewing Daytona, which is super exciting for us because we're actually going to that race in two weeks. So very excited as we lead up to that. Uh, One, a couple quick things before I hand it over to Gio to kind of lock us in. One, we are going to be um, doing some video podcasting. And so I think in the next week or two, I think we're going to do our next episode. So probably coming off of Daytona, that'll be the next video uh, that we'll do in, in coordination with the audio podcast that we do every week. And then the other thing, I, for those that listen, sometimes you may notice I put like a little Easter egg at the beginning of every episode. And last week, it was uh, the family, not me, but it was the three boys and Karen all singing a little bit of Hamilton. Uh, why do I do it? Because they didn't realize I was recording and they actually sounded pretty good. And is our way of saying that, you know, we're, we're not your traditional NASCAR family because these kids live their lives and communicating in memes. And I think somebody said something that took them down to uh, Hamilton. Oh, yeah. So anytime we hear we hear or say anything that is in a Hamilton song, we bust out singing that particular song. So if I say something like, yeah, we're not going to, you know, miss a shot or lose a shot, then we start singing that Hamilton song. So that's we, we live by singing Hamilton songs. So just to explain why you had that randomness of Hamilton at the beginning of last week's episode. All right. We'll see. Maybe we'll have another one this week. Giovanni. Why don't you take us out? That's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on in. Consider subscribing, following our socials, and downloading our podcast episodes. Let's grow some family out. Out.